Oh, yeah. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening. And welcome to the latest installment of the Man Cave Huddle. I am your host, Greg. These are the episodes that I really like because these are the episodes that I created my podcast for. This is my favorite type of year. This is my favorite time of year as we begin football season. Now, we're not talking NFL. Let's talk college. Now, I know oftentimes on Saturdays, we choose to clean the house, clean the bathroom. Wifey might leave for the day. You home. Or better yet, when the weather gets cold, there's nothing to do. and You're looking for something to watch. And you don't really want to binge watch a show and be, you know, sit there and be stuck having to watch 10 hours of a show. There's nothing good on Netflix. Come to the Man Cave Huddle. I got you. I got you. I got you. This episode is the, you don't know, there's nothing good on TV to watch. These are the football games you should check out. Yeah, I know. I'm not into football. I'm not a big football fan. That's cool. I'm not making money off of this. All I'm saying is here and there, take a peek. See what you see. If you like it, keep watching. It might be a good game. And you don't you might want to sit there and want, want to watch that. Da, 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 da. Hello, welcome to Sports Center. You can not gonna believe what happened. Let's get it started though. So um with the first game. In week one that I feel these are the games that you should probably check out. Let's go with the 11th ranked Oregon Ducks. They are at the number three ranked Georgia Bulldogs, the defending national champions of the college football realm. The Georgia Bulldogs come in and they're a 17 point favorite. Now, I know you're going to sit there and say, Greg, why are you going to have me watch a game when this team is favored to win by 17? Hold on, man. Let me get to it. I got to massage you into this. Hold on. Game is going to take place at, on ABC at Saturday, 3.30 p.m. at the Mercedes-Benz Stadium in Atlanta, Georgia. And it's, this is the Chick-fil-A kickoff game. So that's why they're playing at the Mercedes-Benz Stadium and they're not playing at the Bulldogs home stadium. Now, for Oregon coming into this game, this is going to be a little bit of a family battle because Dan Lanning, he is the former Georgia Bulldog defensive coordinator and outside linebacker coach off of the team last year. So he has an in-depth knowledge of this defense and what everybody in that D is capable of doing. So that's my first point on Oregon comes into this game already having a blueprint on how to beat this defense. Now, when you look at Oregon, Bo Nix, you transfer a quarterback from Auburn. He's a very talented player. He's an extra coach on the field. He's great at he's great at when the play breaks down, finding the open man down the field. He's a real good quarterback. I just feel like at Auburn, his aptitude mentally was higher than the talent that was around him. And we'll see if that's the case with Oregon. Because I think he's going to have not better talent, but more so a team in which they play a certain style that might cater to his skill set. When you look at the defense of um, Oregon, they have an inside linebacker by the name of Noah Sewell. 
He's entering his third year, his junior year of college football, with 159 career tackles, all right? In two years, this man has had a averaging almost 80 tackles a season. That's a lot in college, okay? Now, my only question for Oregon entering this game is what does the loss of Mario Cristobal mean? Because he changed the team from a soft, you know, run and gun, we're going to run that spread read option to no. We lining up on the center. We're going to focus on the offensive and defensive line, and we're really going to run the ball. And they wound up doing that, and they were very successful doing that. They went into Ohio State and beat Ohio State doing that. Now, can this continue with Dan Lanning? We'll see. Now, when you look at the other side of the field, Georgia got some issues too now. This is what's going to make this game interesting. When you look at that defense last year, they led the scoring. They led the they had the number one scoring defense with only 10.2 points per game last year. Now, they are only returning from that defense linebacker Nolan Smith, defensive back Keely Ringo, and safety Christopher Smith. Those are the only three returning starters from last year's defense. That doesn't mean that other players that didn't get rotated in, other players got playing time, but you only have three starters returning. That might be a little bit of concern. And when you have quarterback Stetson Bennett, I mean, that might alleviate some of your concern knowing that he's a quarterback where he's 14-3 and as a starter. And last week, last week, last year, he was 11-1 and and he beat Alabama. That almost counts as two victories, right? So that's why I think that with what Georgia has lost defensively, along with what Oregon knows of that defense, this could be a very good game. I still could see Georgia winning by 17 points, but maybe in the fourth quarter, the wheels kind of fall off for Oregon and Georgia comes away with the victory. Another game I want you guys to take a look at. I want you guys to take a peek at the number 23 ranked Cincinnati Bearcats. They're going up against the 19th ranked Arkansas Razorbacks. Arkansas comes into this game as a minus, as, as a favorite to win this game by six and a half points. This game's going to be on ESPN at 3.30 at Donald W. Reynolds Stadium in Fayetteville, Arkansas. Now, Cincinnati, they lost a lot of players to the NFL. You had Desmond Ritter. You had uh, a couple players get drafted into the NFL. But I will say this. They will try and attempt to replace Desmond Ritter with uh, either A, a redshirt senior in Ben Bryant or a redshirt sophomore quarterback in Evan Pratter. So we'll see which one of those guys can replace the production and just the veteran leadership that you're going to lose with Desmond Ritter. But you still have Luke Fickle, and he's the reigning national coach of the year. So I wouldn't be fickle with Fickle because I think he knows what he's doing. And when you think about it, the Cincinnati Bearcats, they're retaining, they're returning 12 starters. And they're the two-time AAC champions in their conference. And they're coming off a 13-1 season. It was a season in which they went to the playoffs. And y'all know they got bust down by the Alabama Crimson Tide. But who doesn't A? And B, when you've run that many titles in your conference in a row, you're returning 12 starters. There's a lot of depth that you've uh, developed. A lot of players that have understand and know what the culture is all about at Cincinnati. They might be a very good defense. We just might not know who these players are, but they know the system, they know what's expected, and they know what's going to transpire throughout this season. 
Now, um, on the flip side of the ball, when you look at the Razorbacks, I mean, you got a stud right here in K.J. Jefferson, the quarterback for Arkansas. He's a redshirt junior last year. This dude threw for 2,676 yards, 21 touchdowns, and four INTs. But that's not it, baby. He ran for 664 yards and six touchdowns. Yo. This dude, I'm not saying he's going to win the Heisman Trophy, but he's electric. He's exciting. This is a game in which I think Cincinnati, they are, that defense is a bit of an unknown only because a lot of those players may not be household names. Cincinnati in general is not a household name, but with that system, with that culture, smell that? I'm smelling a potential upset. But another player on Arkansas that's going to probably try and prevent that is a senior linebacker by the name of Bumper Pool. I mean, how dope of a name of that is that? For you to be a linebacker and your nickname is Bumper, I mean, what is he going to do? Run around just bump into all the offensive players and make plays and whatnot? But, hey, this is what he does. Last year, the guy had 125 tackles and led the team. So Bumper Pool's going to run around and bump into offensive players and make sure that they don't get busy. Maybe, you know, throw them in the pool to have them cool off. Something like that. But I think this could be a very competitive game, one of those game-winning drive type of games to start off the season. Now, this is where it gets kind of very interesting and some really good games to take take, uh, attention to as we move on into the evening. So let's take a look here. We're going to have first up uh, number seven with the Utah Utes coming in as a two and a half point favor on the road at the Florida Gators. It's going to take place uh, Saturday, like we all know, obviously, on ESPN, 7 p.m., Ben Hill Griffith Stadium in Gainesville, Florida. Now, Utah, they are returning some key players on a team last year that not only finished 12th in the country, had a 10-4 record. Granted, they fell apart, but they had... They gave Ohio State last year in the Rose Bowl a run for their money. I mean, they had Ohio State on the ropes on some, we're about to lullaby you to sleep, but Ohio State with those receivers and that quarterback, they do what they do. They came back and they 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 they, they gave them the medication that they wanted, but is saying that Utah, the Utes, then I, when I say Utes, I don't mean youths, and I'm just mispronouncing it. I say U-T-E-S, the Utes of Utah. <laughs> All right. Uh, they have junior running back Tavion Thomas. Last year, he rushed for uh, 1,130 yards at 21 rush TDs. So he's very productive. But not only is he a productive running back, he gets you points. So if there was a college fantasy, he would be probably one of the best backs to get. He's very productive and scores touchdowns. But then you also have another junior player, a quarterback, and Cameron Rising. So I guess, you know, uh, I hope his, his his stock, his talent is still rising because last year he passed for 2,000, 2, I'm sorry, 493 yards, 20 pass touchdowns, five interceptions, but he rushed for 566 yards with six rushing touchdowns. So he's what you would call a dual threat uh, quarterback. These are two key players on the offense. Utah is one of those teams where it's like you look at them and they always have a couple players on offense. You never know who they have on defense, but then they always wind up being in the mix. 
of being in the playoffs or in that top like eight to 15 where like who are these guys but they always wind up having a good team so when you look at the Utes of Utah they're a very good team but playing in Gainesville Florida Gators do play in the SEC now Billy Napier for Florida he's making his coaching debut we're going to see what's going to happen with that. He was the offensive coordinator at Arizona State. New defense. But I feel that with a, them only being an underdog by two and a half points, you're playing at home. The crowd, the noise, your first home game, it's at night. People are going to be able to get all lick it up all day on Saturday. This could be a very competitive game and a tough just mental stamina check for Utah in the first game of the season to say, are you who we think we are? Prove it. I think this could be a very competitive game. And uh, yeah, I'm smelling that upset alert. I, I, Arkansas, I think they could take Cincy. This one, I wouldn't be surprised if the Florida Gators pull off the upset and knocked off the Utah Utes. Now, my next game. Coming up at 7.30 on ABC. At Ohio Stadium in Columbus, Ohio. The number five ranked, my boys. The Notre Dame Fighting Irish. Going to take on the number two ranked Ohio State Buckeyes. And the Buckeyes come in this game as a 17-point favorite to defeat my team. Now, um, Marcus Freeman is just, you know, you have to say it when it's the first time. And I'm not trying to be political. Marcus Freeman is half black, half Asian. But he is the first black head coach in Notre Dame history. So I want him to succeed, not only because he's coaching my team, but I also, when history is being made, especially on the team that I'm a fan of, I want it to go in my favor. I want him to be successful more than his first game throughout his career because his first game was the bowl game last year, the Fiesta Bowl at Oklahoma State. He got thrown into a, a position and pretty much it didn't work out in his favor. He's had a full all season to implement his mantras, his schemes, his attitude, his mentality, the way he wants this team to play. And at Ohio State, he will begin his first full season as the head coach of Notre Dame, playing the team where in college he played linebacker, did Marcus Freeman for Ohio State from 2004 to 2008. So in a way, this is deep down a homecoming for him, but he's coming with his other chick into his old chick's house, letting them know what time it is. Now, this is going to be a tall task. Now, you guys, if you've listened to any of my episodes, when I speak about the teams that I'm a fan of, I am a fan and I will not deny that, but I am also a realist. And if I am not confident in my team, I'm not going to say we're going to win because of so-and-so. What I'm going to say is we're either going to win because of this or we're going to whatever because of whatever. I'm not going to sit here and, 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 and make up why we're going to win without any logical reasons to it. Now, let's look at uh, one reason, a couple of reasons why I think the Irish have a heartbeat. 
Sophomore Tyler Buckner, a.k.a. Nuck, if you Buckner, he's um, going to be making his first start at Ohio State. He played a lot last year, but it, we played kind of that two-quarterback system. So he got a lot of experience, but he's a full-time starter this year. And what I'm hoping for is that he extends the Notre Dame streak to eight consecutive wins when a Notre Dame quarterback makes their first career start. This would be a doozy if he could pull this off. He's the first quarterback, uh, freshman quarterback, I should say, in Notre Dame history to rush and throw for a touchdown in the same game. Um, I think he brings a lot to the table, but that let's just stick with Notre Dame for now. Uh, defensively, Isaiah Foskey and that defense, they're going to really have to bring it. That Ohio State offense, now we can start talking about um, the Buckeyes. I mean, they're led by sophomore quarterback C.J. Stroud. This dude is just a straight-up stud. He was top five in six major national passing stats last year, and he was the Heisman finalist. And then you also have junior wide receiver Jackson Smith and Jigba, who had five straight 100-yard games and set a Big Ten record with 1,606 yards receiving last year. And last year in the Rose Bowl against the Utah Utes, he had a couple touchdowns and over 300 yards receiving. Um, Yeah, this is one of those games where it's like, I wouldn't be surprised if my boys caught the L. And I'm just saying that in terms of, look, um... Let's just not make it too ugly. The only way I see Notre Dame winning this game is if they lean on the strength of their offensive line and run the ball and really milk the clock and dictate the pace of this game. And defensively, they control the line of scrimmage and stop the run early. And listen, CJ Stroud is going to say, that's cool with me. These guys on Ohio State... Every receiver that they have is a five-star. Yes. Last year, they said they had like, I'm talking, they lost Garrett Wilson to the NFL. Every other receiver in that room is a five-star receiver. You got Marvin Harrison Jr. You know who his daddy is? Marvin Harrison, who played on the Colts. Yes. With uh, Peyton Manning. Okay? They have a plethora of riches. They have so much talent on Ohio State. That's why everybody's picking Ohio State and Alabama to meet in the national championship game. Now, how does Notre Dame stop this offense? You stop the run and you pressure C.J. Stroud to make him uncomfortable so that he's unable to pass the ball when it's time for him to pass. And like I said, offensively, Nuck, if you bucked it, is going to have to make some plays through the air, but they're going to have to control the game on the ground and keep that Ohio State offense on the sideline. Can Notre Dame do that? I hate to say it. I do not. I do feel that we will lose in this game. 17 is a lot of points, but, you know, look, in big games under the bright lights, Playing a real good team. Um, I'm not going to lie, man. These are the games that we get blown out in. And it might be more than 17. 
I understand this is a new era and a new everything with Marcus Freeman. But until I see change, these are the games where you get all hyped with Notre Dame. And then by the end of the first quarter, and then they come back from commercial and you see the score being 24 to zip Ohio State and dudes on the Notre Dame bench are looking around like, yo, I don't give a what. I'm about to go out there and do something, but you ain't doing nothing. And um, that's my fear. And it really... At least against Oklahoma State in the bowl game, we it was a respectable loss, but we had such a big lead, it was hard to believe that Oklahoma State was able to come back on us. And in this game, I just don't see the Irish overcoming everything that Ohio State brings to the table. Makes me sad to say that, but like I told you, I try and keep it a buck with y'all. I don't want to be one of those podcasts or one of those sports commentators where I kind of like slant and kind of make you believe what I want you to believe and I don't give you the truth. I want to be fully transparent and let you know I believe everything that I'm saying. And if I'm wrong, I'm wrong. Nobody's perfect, but I believe everything that I'm saying. So let's move on to the next game. The last game that I want you guys to pay attention. That was the last game on Saturday. So we're going to go to Sunday now. This is uh, unranked Florida State, the Seminoles, at um, LSU, the Louisiana State Tigers. LSU is coming in as a three-point favorite. This game is going to take place at 7.30 on ABC at the Caesars Superdome in New Orleans, Louisiana. To me... Um, this is an enigma game in so many ways. Um, both teams have so much talent. Both teams, Florida State and LSU, have storied histories playing in the ACC and the SEC, respectively. Um, you have Brian Kelly leaving Notre Dame to go to LSU as their head coach. You had the quarterback from Arizona State transferring to LSU. You had a quarterback at LSU basically retiring. You had the whole drama with Florida State and Norvell and basically trying to get Florida State and their fans accustomed to the standard that was left by Bobby Bowden. Um, You know, darn players that jump out like specific players or units that jump out off of the page and say, this is why you need to watch this game. But this is Florida State. There's a lot of Florida boys on that Seminole team. And we all know Florida is a hotbed for football. Louisiana LSU, they got a lot of them Louisiana boys. And a lot of them Louisiana boys, a couple of them played in the Super Bowl. Okay? You, you know, um... There's a lot of talent on both sides, but both of these teams have so much to prove in terms of they could both finish the season ranked, if not higher than 20, if they just get off to a good start and keep that momentum going. So for me, when I see LSU coming in as a three-point favorite, but you're playing at a neutral site, the Caesars Superdome, Mm, you know what? I'm going with Florida State in the upset here. I feel that, um, you know, although Louisiana State has LSU, they have probably the home field advantage and all that. With a new quarterback, a new head coach, 
a lot of change. I think Florida State, they're coming in with a, uh, a system, a quarterback, and a coach that's been in place for a couple of years. And they're just going to have that mantra and that mindset of us versus everybody. And I think they might gonna be able to pull that out. So these are the games that I want you guys to pay attention to. I hope you catch a couple, if not one. I hope all the games reach your expectations. If they don't, come back. I got more for you next week. But anyway, as I do with every episode, I want to end this one with a positive quote. And my positive quote for you is this. Some people will judge you for changing. Some people will celebrate you for growing. Choose your circle carefully. I appreciate you for listening. Thank you. Talk to you next week. Bye-bye, everybody.